Hey friends, we hope this message from C3 Fort Worth helps you see Jesus like never before. And if you're in or around Fort Worth, we'd love to meet you on a Sunday or at one of our weekly dinner parties. I think one of the misnomers about days like this is that somehow we can't all learn from the experiences of others and uh, in different seasons and different places and in different walks of life. And so we are going to still talk about summer in the Psalms. We're going to talk about Psalms 133 today, one of my favorite Psalms of all time. And, uh, and so if you're reading along with us, you can go to c3fortworth.com forward slash hub and you can get the 90-day Bible reading plan for the Psalms. You get all kinds of resources. So we're still doing that. And over the next several weeks, you'll hear from def several different voices out of the Psalms. I'm really, really excited about that. So if you're here with us and you're wondering why there's a VW van, one, because it's my dream car, uh, two, uh, because we still are in that series and in that season of our church through the summer in the Psalms. But real quick, why don't we go through down the line and just introduce ourselves, tell us how many kids you got um, and how old they are, and, uh, and, and do you remember? Okay, Stacia, Stacia, you help them out. Stacia, so why don't, we, <laughs> why don't we introduce and say hello to everybody. Yeah, I'm David Emerson. I uh, have two kids. Uh, Adam, I think, is 27, and uh, my daughter, is Michaela, is 25. And Nailed it! Yep. You're not as old as you thought. You're good. Uh, my name is Shane Sinkfield. I have a almost three-year-old son and a zero-year-old daughter Woo. in there somewhere. Woo. Yes. Woo. On the way. Let's go. Uh, I'm Will Meyer, and I have one daughter. She's two and a half months. Her name is Collins, and she's amazing. That's awesome. And I am uh, Bradley Harpel, and I have Noah, who's back there in Little Kids right now, and it may be news to some, but we are actually expecting another hey! coming December. Hey! I'm going to have another nephew or niece. I don't know which one, but uh, congrats to Mallory and Brad. Come on, they've been trying for a minute. Exciting, exciting news, so... And Gigi's crying. Yeah. Um, and Meredith and I are, I'm just joking. Um, Come on. Happily married and good with two. I already told you I've been abused by him. So, um, hey, I do want to, I just want to spend some time asking a few questions. We are going to hit a couple Father's Day questions, a couple fatherhood questions, um, and, and just get some feedback from you guys, and then we'll transition to Psalm uh, 133. Uh, when I was growing up, all the fatherhood-type shows and everything else were, were not the most um, endearing or, or uh, encouraging of fathers. The dad was always the dumb one. Um, not that the mom should be. I'm just saying the dad shouldn't be that dumb. Um, and uh, was irresponsible or didn't care or was not present. Um, and it's weird, but when we get the shows where the dad is, we almost kind of make fun of it like, oh, he's, he's doing all this. And I, there's a weird kind of thing around, uh, around what it is to be a dad, what it is to be a father, what it is to be a husband, uh, what it is ultimately, I think, at the end of the day, what it is to be a man. And there's a lot of things swirling around what it is to be a man these days, to the point that you have a lot of people just kind of confused, not really sure. You have guys questioning uh, what they're supposed to do, what they're supposed to say, what's not going to be okay, what is going to be okay. And so I just, we'll, I'll throw you an easy one to, to start with, uh, but I just want to get your thoughts on this because I want us to be a church uh, where we continue to champion 
uh, those who are in the lives of their children, uh, those who are in the lives of others' children uh, for the sake of stepping into that kind of role. And, and I want to make sure that we're propping that up and we're propping up uh, biblical and, and Christ-centered examples of what that looks like. I just want to throw this out to you guys. What has been the greatest joy uh, and maybe even the biggest lesson, but the greatest joy of being, uh, being a father? <laughs> Go for it. I mean, just, I mean, mine are growing, right? So watching them grow, right? It's, there's the hard days when they're little, and uh, there's the teen years that are, you know, some of y'all have to look forward to. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's just the joy of watching them grow and become who they're supposed to be and, uh, yeah. you know, find, find their way. Yeah. That's awesome. I think we're going to come back to that one. Yeah, I think the same thing, just watching them grow into their personality and become who they're going to be, but... Uh, personally, it's like Maxwell, the kind of kid Maxwell is, he doesn't like to ask for help ever. So whenever he does, it's kind of a joy to be able to like teach him and, you know, sit down with him and watch him learn something or, you know, so those moments are pretty joyful to me to, to be able to teach him, you know, something new or, you know, if he allows me to, but it's, it's fun. That's awesome. Yeah, Colin's personality too, it's crazy when they're too, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it's it's kind of funny in a way. I'm like, why am I up here again? Like, I I mean, I'm a dad, but I don't like teach her a whole lot right now. (laughs) But I think what is what I've kind of noticed, especially the last couple nights, we had someone tell us about dream feeding, and so I I take Collins at like 10 or 11 at night, and I don't wake her up. I take her out of the crib and I feed her while she sleeps, and kind of similar to what y'all said. Like, there's a moment where I'm holding her and I have the bottle, so my hands are full. I couldn't pick up my phone if I wanted to, and she's asleep, and she's feeding, and so she's not doing anything else. So there's, like, 20 minutes, 30 minutes where I'm just sitting there looking at her, and, like, that's it. And it's, like, all she's doing is existing and being, and all I'm doing is existing and, like, focusing on her. And so at least so far, like, that's been the most rewarding and sweet is, like, you're not doing anything to earn anything, and I'm not doing anything to earn anything. We're both just sitting in the dark in the nursery. For real. I mean, so same good. thing. Noah's at that age um, now where it's like you actually get to see the real world like application of like what you're teaching and what you're trying to get through to your children and watching them um, serve others, even little ways. Like, right, like somebody comes across something, sees another kid sad and like trying to share a toy with them, all that kind of stuff. It's great. But, um, man, also I'd say another joy is just being taught. I didn't think I was going to get into fatherhood. It's like so much of like, oh, now I can teach them how to play baseball, like get to teach them how to love God, like, to teach them, but it's, like, so much I'm learning from being a father, and it's, like, that was just a huge open door into fatherhood that was not expecting how much you're going to learn from them, whether it be, like I said, little things, but, man, teaching, really, kids are so good about teaching us to slow down, and in a busy life, like, hey, come throw the balls to me, come throw the balls to me, right, and they're so <laughs> consistent with it <laughs> until you're in there doing it in that moment, and it's just, like, and you learn to appreciate that and learn to start down life. So, I mean, I'm learning so much from him just yeah. as much as I'm trying to teach him. So, Man, I don't know if y'all just got all the Bible lessons you needed to, but they were there. They were there in every single answer. Uh, from watching the child grow up into who they're called to be. Uh, from being actually asked for help. Uh, to being just existing in the Father. To letting the Father teach you how it is you do a thing, to slow down long enough to hear and to know and to listen 
I mean, that's, this is what we're talking about. And, and God exists, man and woman exist in God, but this idea that he is the father was one that is very present in the gospels, very present in that day. Part of that was to correct some of the assumptions of what it is to be a man in that culture. But the other part of it is to continue to present this picture of who Jesus is, who the Father God is, that we are our people who are going to be developed along the way. This may take a little longer than we expected, but he will be present, right? That if we would just ask for help, he would take great joy in helping, right? If we would just be still and wait and exist in the Father, right? If we would if we would be, Jesus tells us, to be persistent. Don't give up on your prayers. He's hearing you. Ask, seek, knock, slow down, and let God work. Um, this, is, this is why these kinds of days are so important. It's why Mother's Day is important. It's why Father's Day is important. Because we get these glimpses, this other aspect of the diamond to look through, to see the beauty and splendor and goodness of God. I mean, even when I got back this week, Saturday, yesterday, my son, my five-year-old said, Dad, play that song, Build Your Church. It's my, it's my anthem right now. Build your church. And, uh, and we sang it, and I ended up texting all the guys I was on a trip with because the Holy Spirit spoke something to me. And I was, I was just like, my son, my five-year-old's asking to play this worship song. My seven-year-old, yes, this morning on the way to church, we saw a homeless guy who's, who's basically in the same spot every single time we drive down Barry. And, uh, and we told him, we were just talking about it, and he goes, well, maybe we should get him Chick-fil-A. And I said, well, maybe we should. Maybe we should make that a Sunday ritual that every Sunday morning we drive by here, we've got Chick-fil-A breakfast ready for him. Nope. Dang it. Uh, Chick-fil-A, you're keeping me from loving people. Uh, we'll figure something out. But to bring something by. And I just think those are the things that this is really, really special. On the flip side of this, and this is the dichotomy of Jesus, because on one aspect of who we are, we see God the Father. On the other aspect, we see who we are to be in Christ um, and who, how we need his help. Uh, what would be for you guys the, the greatest challenge? And it might be within the greatest joy, the greatest challenges. Uh, what would you guys say is the greatest challenge of being a father? Y'all going to keep making Dave go first? We don't have to go in order. You guys, like, just like we're sitting around the table. I know y'all guys aren't that polite around the table. Well, I'll, I'll say for me it was probably just learning uh, patience is a big one, but you know, just um, le learning that, you know, my son isn't, doesn't have it all figured out. He's only been on this earth for less than three years. So learning to let him be a kid is, is kind of challenging for me, you know, sometimes because I'm like, I want to step in and be like, no, 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 don't do it this way. But sometimes you just got to be like, let him be, be a kid. You yeah. know, he doesn't, he doesn't know all the social cues or whatever it is that I, that, you know, I'm still learning. I'm 37. I'm still learning. But, right. uh, you know, just learning, like Brad was saying, to slow down and just, like, and be in the moment and let him be a kid. Don't have to step in every moment and discipline every moment, you know. And that's, that's kind of hard sometimes, you know. Yeah. You want to just teach him teaching moments, you know. You want, you want to do that. But, you know, slowing down, let him be a kid, it's, yeah. it's a challenge. That's good. No, that's really good. Yeah, and I'll piggyback on that and talk about, like, teaching them and, and a bit in a learning curve. But it's like um, a lot of times we get in there and we want to tell them, right, it's like a first instinct, like, no, you need to do this. You need to do it this way. You know, you need to help others. You need to serve people. And it's like it was such a challenge to realize and make a shift of, like, how much greater the impact is of just them observing us do those things and how far that can go rather than just being told that. Like, we could tell them the blue in the face, like, 
you need to eat this food or you need to do this or open this door for this person, you know, and do these things. But I mean, the second that you get over there and start rubbing your wife's foot, like your kids are going to come around and want to do that. You know what I mean? It's funny though, but they partake in that. Stop so looking it's like, at me, Mayor. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, let's like, okay, we can get biblical with it, but it's like Jesus was such a good example of not saying like, hey, you need to put oil on this person, right? Like yeah. he's the first one to jump in there and do it. And I just think kids learn so well that way of like, if we can just demonstrate that to them every day on a daily basis of what we expectations and just instead of just vocalizing them, yeah. it goes so much further. And it's just like learning to adapt to how they're going to learn best and, and, and go from there. And my grandfather used to always say, uh, kids won't do what you say, they'll do what you do. I mean, they, they, they watch. And I think that's maybe, again, I'm just going to keep relating this back because I don't want this to just be a fatherhood day where we talk about dad stuff. Um, I do, I just think that there's always pictures. I think God is so generous in showing us himself in each other and showing us himself even in the way this universe works and the way community works and the way relationship is. Um, this idea that, that one of the greatest gifts God gives is the Holy Spirit because in that there's an impression. There's something that begins to turn in you. Just in, uh, J.I. Packer has a book called Hearing God, and he speaks about this idea of prayer becomes something that is so natural between a father and a son or a father and a daughter or a sheep and a shepherd, right, where you know the voice of the Lord. You, there are times where you stop having to ask because at some point they realize, oh, okay, I can just go do that thing. Oh, you're in the front yard with me so I can do whatever I want. Like I don't have to ask every time I go get a toy or every time. I, you just want me to enjoy the fact that we're outside after 7 p.m. most likely because it's too hot outside right now. But this idea that we, we that God is also wanting to walk this thing out with us. He doesn't always want to just tell you exactly what to do every time, but that we are in the presence of the Lord as we walk this thing out, led and breathing in the Holy Spirit. And so I think it's such a, a powerful lesson to learn as we watch it, even in an imperfect form through fatherhood. And what is that thing? I know, Will, you had some thoughts on this, but what, what is that thing that's some things that are misunderstood about fatherhood in our current culture? Um, there's a lot of absentee fathers in our country. There's a lot of young men and women growing up without a dad, a lot of moms picking up the slack, and, um, and it should be commended for that. Single moms should be commended. I just, it blows my mind how many uh, men have, have stepped off and stepped away. And uh, I want to honor all the dads in here who have just stayed present. Or if you missed a season but you, you came back in, props to you. To, to stay in and to keep pressing forward. Um, what are the things that are misunderstood about fatherhood that, that maybe we don't always let on, that we don't always talk about or say, uh, but the things that we wrestle with or the things that aren't always um, understood well? I don't know that I can speak for everyone, but at least for me and, and kind of what I've noticed, even just in the first couple of months, is that, and, and this may change, I think over time this will change, but my role as a dad did not change to the level that my role as a husband changed. Mm. So, like, right now I became, like, that much of a dad because it's, like, diapers and feeding and, like, small stuff and changing her. But, like, the amount that I changed as a husband or that my role changed as a husband was, like, astronomical. And so I think, like, this idea that the man provides financially stops so short of, like, if all you're doing is providing for your family financially, that only goes as far as money goes. And where your treasure is, your heart lies. So cool. Your heart is with your money, and where's your family? So, like, 
what I'm realizing is as a husband, my role has shifted or just changed and gotten a lot bigger in terms of what's required of me, where now I, I have to provide financially, emotionally, physically, mentally. Like I have to be there with my whole being all the time and I have to like empty myself completely not just for work, but then like empty myself at work for what work requires, come home and empty myself for my wife and what she requires of me, and then empty myself for my daughter and what she requires of me. So it's like, I think I heard Matt Chandler say, like you empty yourself at work and you leave like frustrated and empty, and then you pray that crap off and you go home and you empty yourself again. <laughs> like, like that's what it is. And so I think I realized like, oh wow, like it, it, I think a lot of times you hear like, oh, it's so great being a dad, and, like, I just love holding him and all that stuff. I'm like, that's, like, 10% of what I do, 5% of what I do when she's awake for 5% of the day. But the rest of the day is, like, like, what does Claire need mentally, emotionally, physically? Like, okay, what do I need mentally, physically, and emotionally? What does my family need spiritually? Like, even just the covering of prayer for the yeah. whole family. Like, yeah, I, that's the, been the biggest thing that I think doesn't get talked about and was very different than I was expecting. Yeah, wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I would I would agree with that and add to it. You know, I mean, I think that's one of the areas I struggled with, right? When my kids were younger, just I wasn't, maybe I thought I was a good husband, right? But probably wasn't as focused on my wife as I could, should have been. So I encouraged all of you uh, fathers and young couples out there to, you know, step up like Will's doing and, and continue down that. Beyond that, for me, though, it was, am I doing it right, right? I mean, yeah. so it's the hard days and it's the hard discussions and those type things of, you know, was I too hard? Uh, mm -hmm. You know, uh, am I am I doing it right? And now, you know, my kids are grown. And so now I'm like, did I do it right? Right. Because my kids right. aren't in here today. So some of you know that story. Right. My kids no longer uh, really believe. Right. And so it's so it's not a self-doubt necessarily much as, you know, man. That was, but it always weighs on us in the back of our minds, right? Am I, am I stepping up and am I doing what I need to do as a dad? And I'm not sure everybody realizes that. So, yeah. but I keep loving my kids, and y'all keep loving yours, and that's what you do. So, I, I man, um, no, no, it's beautiful. No, it's it's good. I, what are the things y'all that you guys think about that most people probably wouldn't assume you think about? Because what you just talked about is maturity. I mean, that's what you talked about. That's what you just talked about. Because maturity comes in seasons. It comes in challenges. It comes in moments where you have to, you know, I thought I was a good person before I got married. And then I realized I wasn't. I was not nearly as patient as I thought. I was not nearly as gracious as I thought. And usually the challenges in marriage come when those, that self-awareness never showed up. When, you, when, when those challenges came up and instead of choosing maturity, you chose blame or resentment. Or, no, you're asking too much of me. No, 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 I'm asking what you are to be. Be, be what you're called to be. And, uh, and, of course, there's good ways to do that, please. So you guys going home, I, I get to tell you. Um, but, but there is that thing, right, this maturity that, this, that comes with not age, but the acceptance of responsibility. Um, and the same thing happens with kiddos, right? We thought we were good, and we had kids. And we weren't. Like, we had to be nicer. We had to be more patient. We had to, we had to grow together. We absolutely had to grow together. Um, and that maybe, whether or not you have kids or not, there's probably seasons or moments or times where that's what's required of you. Not to step back, but to fully step in 
and to realize that it may not work out the way you had thought. But I, I think what you just shared, one, I, th- I love the honesty. I, I really appreciate the transparency because I know it's a struggle. What are the things you guys think about, and I'm asking you to be really authentic here and, and honest, what are the things you guys think about that most, and this may just be a man thing, not just a fatherhood thing, but what are the things you wrestle with internally that you rarely, if ever, tell anybody else about? Because I know guys are really great at sharing the innermost thoughts. Um, what are the things that you, yeah, what are the things you carry or think about that nobody else ever knows about? Nobody ever, ever hears about. And maybe sometimes not even your wife because you don't want don't to put that on anybody. Um, and they may hear it now, so I apologize. But, uh, yeah, just if you could. One of the things that comes to mind is just the idea that um, it, maybe it's just me and, and kind of how I'm wired, but that, like, I have to figure it out. And I'm also a researcher, so it's like either I can figure it out or I can research it. And the reality is, I like, we weren't made that way. We were made to be in community. So I was talking about it with Claire yesterday. Like, actually, the most impactful things that I, like, have learned over the past few weeks as a father did not come from me. They came from other men who didn't even wait for permission. They just, like, spoke into me. Mm. Uh, like, there was a guy... Uh, who, who is in a group that I'm in um, that's totally unrelated to church. It's like a whiskey group, fun fact. I'm into whiskey. And he found out that we were pregnant and expecting our first kid, and he just messaged me, and he was like, found out he was a believer, and he's like, hey, man, what's your address? I'm going to send you a book about, like, wh- what to expect when you're expecting kind of thing. Um, and it was incredibly impactful during the pregnancy, and then I've had so many fathers since who just spoke into my life, and I realized, like, I don't have to figure it all out. Mm. And so if that was that impactful when they I didn't ask for anything and they just spoke into my life, like, what could happen if I was just open? And I'm like, hey, this is hard. Like, I'm trying to figure this out. Like, got any advice? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I love that. Like, fatherhood wasn't meant to be, you know, like, alone. Like, it was never that intention, and it's not like... Um, I don't know, I probably, probably asking for help, right? Because we want to, like I said, we want to figure out on our own and think of the possibilities of just reaching out to other men, um, reaching out to community. So uh, I know me, for one, like first time something breaks or I need something, right? It's like me. And then we take on this burden and stress of like, I got to be the person to figure this out. I got to do this. And a lot of times, simple phone calls, discussing it with other people, give you some ideas, remove the emotions and stress out of it, right? Somebody that's not in in the moment um, can be so beneficial, but yet we struggle with just making that phone call or reaching out to those people. And I know that even surrounded by guys that I know I could pick up the phone any given day and call one of you and all y'all would take the time to talk it over with me or weigh out options and do those kind of things. But I, I think we're stubborn for one. But <laughs> um, yeah, so I think struggling just with that that vulnerability realistically, um, and, and just being vulnerable in those moments because so many men are just raised to suck it up, you know? And so it's like reaching out of that bubble and just reaching that vulnerability to say, hey, like, I need something. Like, golly, these, these girls down here, Marin Mal, like, prime example, okay, just going to throw it out there. But it's like if you need something, which I would give anything and loan it out to anyone, you know that, but it's like I'm the last person to call and say, like, hey, do you have this? Can I borrow this? And these girls right here <laughs> will call Sarah that used to live next to Robin that was mother's <laughs> friend. I know you you got these snow bibs so that we true. could use for this vacation. So true. But no, I'm just saying realistically. And the guy's like, no, I'm going to go spend $120 for one day and <laughs> be done with it and not call anybody. But just that vulnerability of yeah. saying and reaching out and 
going off that. So, I mean, <laughs> Sarah lives next to Robin. Uh, you know, I think I do think that's real. I think that guys, I, I don't remember the exact quote, but I remember hearing someone recently talk about the idea that men are carrying around a constant battle with identity. Just every day, wrestling with, did I do it right? Am I doing the right thing? Did I carry this well? Did I steward it well? Am I loving people well? And I know that's not every guy. Some guys you know don't wrestle with that. But I would, I would say that there's some guys who are wrestling with that, and the way they're expressing it makes them look like they don't care, and it's actually because they've gotten it so twisted inside because they did care. They cared so much, and it wasn't working, and they couldn't figure it out, and they couldn't sort out why they felt so bad about everything or felt so uh, in, incompetent at raising their kids or at doing this job. And again, I don't think that's just a fatherhood thing. I think that's a man thing. And I do think there's, a, I don't think that that's a human thing in so many ways, but it gets expressed differently um, as you begin to talk about men and women. And I think that's, that is one of those things that we constantly wrestle with because we don't like to ask for help. Um, and, and by the way, I owe you three net gators that I took to Montana that I let other people borrow and I'll have to locate because I asked for help and it got me in trouble. I'm never doing it again. Um, but I do think that's, that's something we wrestle with. You already alluded to that, right? Did I do it right? Like, am I, am I doing this well? Um, and I think there's two so- things to learn from that. Is one is that, that we all deal with that, um, to be more open about it, to be more willing to, to get the community around you, to, to get the right community around you, to trust them to speak into your life. Um, uh, but also to, yeah, to not carry it, to not carry it alone, um, and to, to, to begin to walk this thing out in a way that um, you've, got, you've got to get in this place where you trust God well. You trust God well um, with all things and in everything, right? Um, and, and it's hard for us because we are a bit prideful, I've heard, and, um, and we don't want to admit that this thing isn't sorted out in our life. Um, I was sitting with some guys this past week. We were talking about race, and uh, we had a couple guys from the Bronx and a couple guys just in, in Montana. We were just having some really honest, open conversations. It was really beautiful. Um, and uh, one of the things that was talked about is that we tend to think of questions as statements, especially now. We tend to think that if I ask a question about how to do this, I'm making a statement about who I am. And we tend to do that with everything. Wait, if you ask me for help, that means you're incompetent in no, it's just I don't want to do it by myself, uh, and I might not know how to do it. But, you know, these, these questions that we view as, as statements, um, for you guys, as I, want to read, I want to read Psalm 133. You could throw that on the screen because I do want to transition this because you, you guys just alluded to something about community, about being around. And you guys feel free to go back into that last question if you want to speak to it. Uh, but this is my, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in Harmony. Come on, how many of you know that's true? Meredith and I know that when the boys are treating each other well. It is like fine oil on the head, running down the beard, running down Aaron's beard onto his robes. Aaron's with priestly garments, it would have been an anointing type picture. It is like the dew of Hermon falling on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has appointed the blessing life forevermore. Dew of Hermon is uh, geographically, topographically, there's this. The way it hits the mountain, there's this one spot at the base of Mount uh, Zion where, where there's life and green and everything else, and around it there isn't. And it's only because of how the mountain catches it and drops it. Um, and, and so there's this refreshing, right? And you guys have heard me talk about this before. And then there's blessing. Where there's unity, there's blessing. Um, 
And I think we just talked about this idea that, that it's refreshing when someone sends me a book or steps in and does life well uh, with me. There's an anointing on our lives when we carry, uh, when we carry unity as a priority, when we carry the, the desire to live well together, the desire to live well both as men but as people, that, we are, that our, our primary goal is that we would be united in Christ. We said this in our team huddle prior this morning, that, that when we make Jesus peripheral rather than foundational, we begin to argue about how the house should look. What Jesus did is say, I want you to build your house on the rock of Christ Jesus. He didn't tell us how the house should look. He just said, build the, build the house here. And as you do that and stay that way, because what does Jesus say to the disciples? Upon this rock, what was the rock? The revelation of who Christ is. And when we make um, arguments around, I mean, even I think about Juneteenth yesterday. Uh, it really, it was, it, but we celebrated the holiday yesterday. Watching Opal Lee walk down again, starting at the age of 89, I believe it was, just a few years ago, uh, walking and driving a little bit, but walking this 1,400-mile trek to Washington, D.C., out of Fort Worth, Texas. What pride we should have in the fact that I, I saw a sign that said, let's celebrate freedom from Juneteenth to July 4th. The idea that we, we can't all celebrate the day that many, for the very first time in this very state, just a few hours south of here, found out they were free. And that we've got to make it something other than what it was, a celebration of freedom. That's a problem, church. That's a problem. We've made something else foundational that should be peripheral. Jesus is foundational. Jesus, the truth sets you what? Free. So when we hear about freedom, you can argue politics, but please don't do that where, you, where it makes sense. Don't do it on a day when there's men and women who, after two and a half years of finding, well, not finding it out, two and a half years later, find out finally. And that's the thing, right? Freedom can be declared, but not fully experienced. And we can stand up here on a Sunday morning, and we can de declare freedom. And we can leave as men, we leave his people not fully experiencing the freedom that has been declared. And I would say to you that part of that is to continue to live in life-giving, Christ-centered, Holy Spirit-led, breathed community where we're living in unity. As you read this, because I sent this verse to you guys yesterday. So, yeah, so let me just celebrate Juneteenth. Yeah? Okay, you didn't clap at first, so I just want to. Be, let's, uh, we are not, I'm not going to ask you, we are not the church that can't handle celebrating someone else's freedom because it doesn't somehow, some way, some twisted way line up with our political views. That's good. Th that we're not that. So don't be that. Um, you can argue the other things. I'm totally cool with that. But we celebrate people's freedom. And, um, and so that's important to me. It's just important to me that we celebrate that and talk about that. Okay. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Um, what, is the, what is the thing, as you guys read through Psalm 133, that really uh, kind of impacted you and, and, and made you, you know, the brothers dwelling in unity. I grew up with a brother a year apart from me. I know that it is not always refreshing, anointing, or blessed. Uh, I know that. I get it. Um, I love him now. Um, but when we're talking sports, it's still not always anointed, blessed, or refreshing. <laughs> Just ask my friends. Um, but 
what, is the, what are the things that you took away as you read Psalm 133? And even as you think about fatherhood and that, you don't have to tie those together. But as you think about that and you read that, what, what are the things that stuck out to you guys? I'll say, uh, you know, it talks about unity in there. And, you know, one of our core values is fighting for unity. And it makes me think of, like, uh, the way we parent, you know. Mm. Um, it's, it's not like, okay, you do this. You're in charge of this thing and you're in charge of the, you know, like back to kind of what you're saying in the beginning about like how culture tells us, show, like Homer Simpson. Yeah. You know, like oh, okay, that's what it. You know, it's like so the dad just. I has mean, let's fun. be honest. We all do have some Homer Simpson moments. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But that's that's who we are. Yeah. Yes, who we are. Yeah. But I mean, it's that's not what fatherhood is. It's it's uh, for me. It's just like recognizing things that need to be done when I get home. It's like it's not like waiting around for tea. To, uh, well, it's time for his bath. It's your turn, right? You know, right. it's like, no, just things that need to be done, you just do them, you know? And it's like, I always think about uh, the first time she goes on these, like, annual girls trips, and um, the first time that she was, like, planning it, and then I, it hit me. I was like, wait, so I, so it's just me and him? And so, and I got to feed it, you know? It was just like, it was scary, <laughs> but it was, it wasn't hard, you know? It wasn't, it was easy. It was, mm. You know, we think there's like this misunderstanding that, oh, well, you know, you know, this is for the role for the women and this is the role for the men. It's not like that. It's like we the way we do it is we just see that it's important that he sees Maxwell and sees that dad can be part of every aspect of his life, whether it's emotionally or, you know, and fun and disciplinary. It's everything. It's it's everything. It's not just, okay, I come home and mom takes care of him. You know, it's like that's not how it works. It's. We're, we're doing this together. Yeah. And I think that is fighting for unity. Yeah. It's not easy. It's hard. But when you do it, it's beautiful. You know? yeah. yeah, I would add to that. Disunity is always easy. It's always easy to pick the thing you disagree with. It really is. Uh, it's much harder, uh, I would say much more rewarding, uh, to fight for the things that we find in common. And just to, just to I think this is a great view of husband and wife, but I think just as, as people, and I want to hear from you guys as well. But I remember that, la- that night we were talking about primarily about race. And we had a friend of ours from um, pastors in, in downtown New York City. And, uh, and he was talking about one thing. And then I brought up something. And then I came around at the end. And I just said, hey, I hope everything came out the way I intended it. And he goes, no, it was super, super helpful. And I said, well, same for me. And I think one of the things that we, we um, miss when it comes to unity is that we think it's not a space where different perspectives are different, like even husband and wife. Meredith and I came from different families. We have different family of origin. We, we have different shadows in our closet, right? We got different things that we've dealt with and walked through and are still dealing with that, that we are working through even 15 years in. And to think that somehow we're not, we're going to just always see this, the, same, the same situation in the same way. Um, it, that's not healthy. It's not really going to happen. We're going to see things differently. And the reality is if we can be healthy enough to hear oh, those different perspectives, then health will come. If we can, if we can see that, that, that her perspective and my perspective actually can, come, can meet somewhere or that I can be big enough to go, you know what, you're right. Or she can be big enough to go, you know what, you're right. And we're going to do this together. And you know what, even if I'm wrong, she still loves me. And same back to her. And that's, that's what this has to look like. Unity is not this idea that we all think about everything the same way. It's that our cause and our purpose and our mission and our desire are the same. That our family's healthy. 
right, that our culture uh, doesn't look differently upon certain people just because of the color of their skin or whatever else, that, that, we, that we do really see it. And even, and, and, and the idea, I didn't think I was going to get into all this, but we have to be willing to acknowledge progress that has been made, but we also must be able to acknowledge the progress that still needs to be made. That, that applies across the board, from, from husband, wife, father, son, uh, friend to friend, uh, black to white, uh, LGBT, it doesn't matter. We have to be able to acknowledge progress and acknowledge progress in both directions. It doesn't mean we're going to agree with everything culture does. I know that. The church is a counter-narrative. It is a different story, 100%. We are going to rub up against things that don't jive with the way Jesus told us to live. And that will create rocky things at times. But our fight is for unity. Our fight is for sacrificial love. That is where we go. Um, Psalm 133. I know I know. Will had some thoughts. I know. What are you thinking of Psalm 133? Some quotes. Man, I'll, I'll keep hitting on that unity thing because I just think that's so great. And I always just try to find examples, like compare it to. Um, and the thing I can think about is like take a sports teams, for instance, right? Like you go want to play on the Dallas Cowboys. Your goal, your end goal is winning that Super Bowl. You can take all these guys from different backgrounds, um, different um, opinions, right? Um, different political views, different religious views, but they can all work towards that one goal. And coach doesn't care, you know what I mean, what you think of outside of that, right? They're all work towards that one goal. And it's like, when we apply that towards the church, like not to over-spiritualize it, but the devil's really good at separation, right? And division. Yeah, so if we look at, okay, well, you, you think this one way about abortion and and I don't, right? And social media is such a, can be such a great thing, right, to share stories, but it can be so bad because it's, I think, there's not conversations around it, right? It's yeah, just it's a single post, game, right? Yeah. And just a single tidbit. So you see Sarah out there that makes one quote and then all of a sudden it's like, uh, maybe I should unfollow her, right? Like I don't need that much, that kind of thing where it's like complete opposite, right? So I just look at it as you get two people in a room long enough, like of course, me and Brandon are gonna find division, right, and separation and disagreements and those kind of things. But if we can come together and say, hey, look, you as a church, right, we're talking about the believers in this room, not what we're supposed to be doing outside of it, but like, hey, do you love Jesus, right? Do you want to glorify his kingdom? Great, let's go together, right? Yeah, That's all we need. That's all we need to go out and start talking to people. That's all we need to go out and start witnessing and serving others. Like, there's, there's parts of the Bible that we could have discrepancies on, but it's like, okay, do you love Jesus? Do you want to glorify his kingdom? Great, let's go. Let's do it love it. So good. Uh, it reminded me a little bit of Paul. I think it's Paul, but there's a, a, a metaphor in the New Testament about uh, like oxen being equally yoked. And I think it, it can be not a perfect, but a deeper and, and deeper in some ways, but also more simple metaphor for like, if the oxen are going in different directions and they're not unified, like nothing can get done. You go in circles or you're just fighting against each other. But as a married couple, if the end, like, like y'all are saying, if the end goal is the same, if our, we're focused on Jesus, if the foundation is the same, uh, we may have to stop and pause at times. We may have to speed up sometimes or slow down sometimes. But ultimately, like we're doing this together and both of the oxen do have a role in that. Like one yeah. can't just be like, hey, can you just pull today? Um, and, and maybe there are times for that, but it's it's like, yeah, I can't just be the dad who's like, I'm going to do this thing. You do that thing. And like, 
we'll get down there eventually. Like, it doesn't work that way. Like, we have to be unified in our foundation and where we're going. And I think looking at it that way, that's kind of what hit me is when you do that, when the oxen know, like, this is my lane and we're trying to get to the end, like, the blessing that comes from that, like, the plowed field that comes from that, that, like, brings the soil and everything and the refreshing, like, it comes from being unified in where you're going, not necessarily in doing the exact same thing, being on, on the same page. Like, there are moments where you can still pause and have conversations. So good. So good. Do you have anything to add? Sure. Sure, I do. Um, I mean, it goes with what Will said. I mean, if Stacy and I are unified in our vision of what we want our family and our home and our house to be used for, which we are, right, then it's it's open, right? So we have, most of you know, we have a very open home. Uh, Jesse and Abby were there a couple of weeks ago with a bunch of our other friends and our kids, right? And there were, I think, three people there Here's what I would I want to encourage you in this. Whether this is relationally with friends, whether this is in your workplace, whether this is in a marriage, wherever it is, um, some of your frustration, maybe most of your frustration, is coming out of uh, a um, cheapened or or um, reduced why. For many of us, we've allowed the why of our life to become shallow. Um, we we have allowed it to become limited to a particular vein or avenue. And and in doing that, we've shrunk the possibility for joy. And we've shrunk the possibility for uh, hope. Because we've shrunk where the, where the dart has to hit the bullseye. We've actually made it smaller instead of bigger. And that's, I don't, I, I just purely wholeheartedly don't believe that's what Jesus desires. I hope this was encouraging to you. I don't think we just did a Father's Day thing. I think we, we talked about a lot of different things. And I think one of the things I want to remind us of as C3 Fort Worth is that our vision is uh, that the streets and hearts of Fort Worth would see Jesus like never before. That's our heart. That's it. And one of the greatest ways they will see that is that we would stay unified, even when there's all kinds of opportunities to grow divided. All kinds. Um, but that we would stay unified. I want to encourage some of you guys married. Um, I would encourage you, gosh, if you're dating, don't do this on the first date. Uh, but at some point, and you don't have to be as direct as this, but at some point, find out what the vision is. What's the why? Um, because that's going to be the thing that builds faithfulness and longevity. Um, and I would encourage some of you marriages, some of you guys with kiddos, to sit down and talk about that. And talk about it often. Don't get lost. We, we are unified as a church. Not because we all like the same music. Uh, not because we all love wearing the same clothes. Even if a John and his dad wore the exact same outfit. Um, happy Father's Day on that one. Uh, it's not because of those things. We are unified because Jesus is our rock. He is the cornerstone. And this church 
will thrive and be healthy to the degree that people in it are having a revelation of who Jesus is, period. Period. So, did you guys enjoy this? Uh, it's a little different. I know um, I know it's, it's, it's a, just a little bit different than normal. You guys can jump off. Thank you so much, man. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray over. I appreciate their honesty. Worship team can come on up. We're going to close out. Um, but I do want to just say thank you to those guys. They're just fantastic um, willingness to, to share. I, I want to pray into this today. I want to pray for those of you guys who are just going, I, I want to see Jesus like never before. I want to see Jesus in uh, the challenges, see Jesus in um, the places uh, where things are going well, not going well, in my marriages, in my kiddos, in my families. Um, and so I, I want to pray into that real quickly uh, before we close today. And before I do that, I want to ask you to talk to the Holy Spirit. Some of you guys, might that so might sound weird. Uh, don't let it be weird. The Holy Spirit is a gift um, that God gives us. And so it doesn't have to be, it, does, it just doesn't have to be weird. Um, so I want to just give you 30 seconds, and I want you to ask this question. Uh, some of you may not hear anything, but some of you are going to be impressed. Some of you guys are going to have something. Some of you need to write some things down. And in 30 seconds, I want you to just ask this question. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do with what I've heard? What do you want me to do with what I've heard? I want you to just take a few seconds. I want you to close your eyes. You can do whatever you want. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do with what I've heard? I want you to do that right now. today. We thank you that um, just even a little glimpse of certain dynamics, certain thoughts, certain experiences gives us a greater experience of who you are. That as we hear each other's stories and as we hear each other's thoughts and dreams and ideas, we actually get a greater picture of the body of Christ. That we get a greater picture of what all of us coming from different places, different backgrounds uh, experience. And God, I pray that today we saw Jesus. We saw Jesus and Dave and in Shane, and in Will, and in Brad, and in the stories that were shared, and the ideas and the thoughts that came out. And God, where there are any rough edges, I pray you smooth them out. God, but I also pray where there's any revelational, revolutionary thoughts, but I pray that you cement them, confirm them in our hearts and minds. And I pray that we walk out of this place with a greater glimpse of Jesus, because we saw a greater glimpse of people. God, I thank you for today. God, I pray over every life and over every heart that they would see Jesus they would see the self-sacrificial, fully giving, always faithful Savior who said, I do not count it more important to stay in heaven and do my thing than to show up and love and love to the point of death. We thank you for your death and resurrection. Thank you that every sin, every mistake, every challenge, everything we've faced, you have faced with us. I thank you that you forgive, you make new, you create I pray that we live in that every single day. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.